and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Good morning. Y'all doing good? Let's, let's repeat after me. Say, Spirit, Spirit wake, up. wake up. Let's do it one more time. Spirit, Spirit wake, up. wake up. That's not Holy Spirit. That's your spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I really felt... I've had a few things on my heart I want to talk about today, and I know we have um, across the table next door, we're going to have food, it's going to be amazing, but I believe that the Lord wants to meet us at the end of this gathering, and He wants to deposit something into us. How many of you know the Lord doesn't need a long time to do a lot of work? He created all everything in six days. He's, he could do work, a lot of work very fast, but, but I want to posture us today to receive, I felt like when we were worshiping, we slipped into that moment where we began to cry out, come Lord Jesus. How many of you felt the room shift? Like the atmosphere just became like pregnant with this like hunger and this kind of like pool. And I think that as a people, we've got to be aware of those moments. There are moments when we begin to cry out to the Lord and we begin to speak to him. And it's like the moment we speak, he amens. And we need to be aware of those moments he's amening. As a people, we have, one, we have one message, one gospel, and it's the message of the kingdom. It's not the message of prosperity. It's not even the message of servitude. It's not the message of how much we can gain and not even how much we can give away. It is the message of the kingdom and, and, and us realizing that his kingdom is near. Are you alive? His kingdom is near, and at the, the nearer his kingdom comes to us, and the more aware we become of that kingdom, the more things that have to be kind of dealt with. There are things that have to be removed, there are things that have to go, and there are things that have to be added unto us. And there's, there, like we felt it the last few weeks, kind of like this purging, this pressing, this shaking. And the Bible talks about this. He says, in the last days, there will be a shaking, and everything will be shaken, but only those things that are true will remain. Which means our posture of heart as the shakings come, whether it's political, geographical, or whatever difficulties, we should be like, thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to be grounded in truth. Isn't that what we're searching for? Truth is a relative term nowadays, but it's really not relative. Truth is truth. Truth is truth. And it's not, there's not a whole lot of gray. It's black and white. Truth is truth. And the more we try to live in the grave, the more difficult it becomes for us to sit in rooms and say, come, Lord Jesus, come, because there's just a whole lot of additives. It cuts, it cuts, because it's like, well, why, why am I struggling with crying out, come? It's because we've got a lot of things we're holding on to. There's a lot of things, a lot of things between us and that come. A lot of dreams. A lot of desires. And the Lord's confronting this in all of us, not in, in Geo, maybe not you, but in Geo, he's confronting, why are you struggling with crying out, come, when I'm everything you ever really wanted? He's everything we ever really wanted. He's worth more than silver, gold, precious stones. And those things sound good and we amen them, but they become really confronted when some of those things, Jesus begins to put his finger on them. And it's like you have this crash collision between the life you're living and the song you're singing. And it's confrontational and it's uncomfortable. But I'm here to say to you, man, if we were to fully give ourselves to the things we're singing and the things we're saying, the Lord will meet us in a powerful way. He's looking for a people to entrust with more. And that's you say it's me. It's you. The people he's looking to entrust with more are not anointed apostles. It's a people who have chosen to say, come Lord, you can have it all. You can have it all. It's why the altars are full every week because he's dwindling us away to God, only you. And some people are like, well, it doesn't take all that. I would submit to you, it's going to take more. It's going to take more because the things we're believing God for, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of it. There are 50 restaurants right now that have triple the people that are in this room and they're serving something that's going to go through your system and go into a sewer system. For lack of a better term, I don't want to offend no one. And yet we struggle to get people in a room to, to behold the King of glory. 
It's not a people problem. It's a, it's, it's, it's a preference. It's that we have submitted, we have created a system that is all about us and it doesn't give life. It doesn't cleanse, it doesn't purify, it doesn't cut, it doesn't confront. And it doesn't really matter what narrative you believe, if you believe in God or not, this is all going to end and you will be confronted with that reality, boo-boo. Oh, I don't really believe that. That's tough because it's still going to happen. Every day, we'll be one, every day one of us will be confronted with our maker. And we live with this. This is what I feel like, man. I was sitting in a room with 50 pastors last week or the week before, and he was talking about going to a prayer summit to meet with some leaders that are leading this ministry called Finish the Task. And he was saying within the next 11 years, I want you to hear this, because the, the Great Commission is that every, everyone would hear, right? Every nation, tongue, and tribe would hear about Jesus. When that happens, this is all coming to a close. It's all coming to a close. And the scary part about this is, and the Bible says that the people won't be expecting his return, but he's going to come. So it's scary for us to get stuck in this, in this life where it's like we're not waiting, we're not watching, we're not waiting. And then he comes and we're like, crap, he really came. But, but they, were, they were saying that in, in the next 11 years, they have mobilized 150 ministries have come together under this ministry and within the next 11 years, every tribe and tongue on earth would have heard the name Jesus. Come on. See how everybody doesn't clap? Because for some of you, you're like, ugh. In 11 years, before Judah turns 20, there's a potential that Jesus could be coming back. And we're still talking messages on trying to convince people can you please just give them a piece of your life? Let me stop. Let, let's, let's, let's be a little bit nicer here. I want to go to the book of Malachi, and I want to kind of talk. How many of you were here last week? Tyler talked about the fear of the Lord. Wasn't it amazing? Oh, he talked about the fear of the Lord and us carrying the fear of the Lord and operating from that place of, of reverence and of, of humility, of lowliness. And I was thinking about Malachi as we were talking last week, and there was a group of people that they had rebuilt the temple. If, if you've read the Old Testament, which you should, there was this constant tearing down of the temple and a building up of the temple and a tearing down and a building up. And in the very last book of the Old Testament, there is a temple that has been erected, and there's a lot of religious activity happening within the temple. Like there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of activity going on within the temple, but then the word of the Lord comes to those who are operating within the temple. And he says this to them. I'm actually going to read in, in verse 9. Because he's giving context to them defiling the altar of the Lord. He's confronting the people that are doing all of like, if they were to go down the line of things, they seemingly are doing all the right things, except they're not. It's like if you, would have, if you would have walked in, everything would have seemed like it was in order, except it wasn't. So there was probably a lot of people, a lot of sacrifices happening, a lot of activity, yet God comes and he confronts them. And in verse 9, he says, go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should you show you any favor at all? So he's talking about the offering they had brought, but verse 10, he says, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices cannot be offered. I'm not pleased with what's being offered, says the Lord, and I will not accept it. But my name is to be honored by a people of every nation morning till night. That's why we have a prayer room, morning, noon, and night. Because in the Bible, it's clear he's looking for a people that would sit before him morning, noon, and night. We don't perform sacrifices. It's not about sheep and goats, but we become that sacrifice. It's why we linger in these rooms and we position ourselves morning, noon, and night before him because he's looking for that. Yeah. It's not because it's a trendy thing that's going on. He's looking for that. Yeah. And so the message he's speaking to us through this prophetically is he's saying, I wish you would just shut the whole program down. I wish we would just stop the whole show because what's really happening, like behind the scenes is they're offering God their second best. They were supposed to grab their best offering and it was without spot or blemish and bring it to the Lord. But somewhere along the line, they began to look and say, well, I could use this for something better. 
So I'll find something that's not worth as much to me and I'll present him that and hopefully he'll take that. Now, while we don't have sheep, but we have resources, we have time, we have energy. And it's like in this moment, God is looking for a people that will give him what he's asking for. Somebody help me. This is ringing. I beg of you, please. He's looking for a people who would give him what he's asking for. And so we come into these rooms, we're like, God, we want revival. God, bring revival. And we, and we talk about revival, yet every single one of us in this room, we have a different concept of what revival really is. For some of us, revival looks like shaking on the ground. For some of us, revival would look like a holiness. For some of us, it would look like miracle signs and wonders. And I would submit to you, it can look like all of those things. But at the end of the day, revival in this day and age will look like a people who are dwindled down to only Jesus. They, they, they're like horses with blinders on. They don't have eyes for anything else. They're not having this rhetoric about paying a price. There's not this language, look how much I've given up because they've realized what they've gained. It's the Paul thing. Everything I have is rubbish in comparison to my life in him. We sit in a lot of circles nowadays, man. It's like, man, it's going to be costly. We talk about how costly it is to love Jesus. And when the narrative becomes about what we give up instead of what we gain, we get things twisted because it's his goodness, it's his mercy, it's his love. So when we begin to like, like balance the scales, we realize what we gave away was a bunch of garbage in comparison to what we've gained. There's a stability. There's a stability. There's a love. There's a joy. There's a peace that can never be appeased by the things of this world. Are you alive? Because we're going to have to move past the good, like the good feeling services, and we're going to have to make a decision that we're not going to move off this thing. And the kingdom has a culture. Tyler talked about this last week, right? How when you walk into someone's house, depending on the culture they come from, you take off your shoes, you, put, you leave your shoes on. Well the, well, the kingdom has a culture, and there is a right way and a wrong way to approach the king. And it's his kingdom. And the king builds the kingdom according to his preferences. So that means we do not get to build his kingdom according to our likings. It's a stark dividing line. If the kingdom you're living in looks like more than you than him, then you're the king of your kingdom. And so there is a culture to his kingdom and what he's looking for is the people who would submit to that culture. And I want to preface it with, it's not hard. It's not hard. Like I know, but well, well, like listen, it's, it's all finished. It's finished. You, I, and I've read Romans. I believe in the finished work of the cross. But what I know is we occupy till he comes. There's a co-laboring with him where it's like, man, I'm glad we got 200 and some people in a room, but there are thousands on the outside that need Jesus. And the only way this is going to work is if we all become kingdom carriers and we give ourselves, but it starts with what's been happening the last few weeks. This like little cuss word called repentance. It starts with a people where the spirit of repentance, it rests upon them. Where they have the cry of, search my heart, O Lord, and see if there's anything in me that would offend you. Not just one time, but a continual posturing of heart. Where we're like, God, I want, to, I want every part of my life to please you. When I talk to my kid in a way that doesn't honor you, I want to feel that. It's just, and it's more than just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is not just, I'm sorry. We start with I'm sorry, but that sorry has to lead into a lifestyle. It's a turning of the heart. It's a continual turning. And the Bible gives us, if my people who are called by my name, how many of you are called by his name? Good, three of you. Bless the Lord. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, hello, seek my face, turn from what? Oh, nobody in here has got wicked ways. It's all of us, and listen, Geo's included, that we would all turn and we would seek him, he would come and he would heal our land. It didn't say if you get the right person in office, then I will come and heal your land. 
It doesn't say if you wear a mask or no mask, I will heal your land. It says if you would turn and look. Keep a, keep a humble heart. I will come and I will heal your land. He's given a clear recipe for how to step into revival yet still. It's like, well, that doesn't feel good for me. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my words. Some of y'all are looking at me dirty. But here's, here's what I feel like. I've, I've, been, I've been preaching now for 13 years. And I've left some amazing services where, I mean, the last few weeks have been incredible, man. People have been delivered from demons. People have been healed. God has done all that. Yet I still leave feeling like, oh, there's so much more. Am I the only one? It's like there's this deep, like there's got to be more than this. I'm thankful for what you're doing, but, there, but yet there still has to be more. And I've read stories. I mean, I, there was a season in my life where all I did was read about revival history, Azusa, and the Welsh revival, and all of these things. Because there was something in my heart that was pulling me. That was like, oh, I want to see like a regional transformation. Like, do you know that in 1904, the presence of God landed on Wales. And, and it was like a group of young people singing an a cappella song. And there was a man preaching, but in the midst of that man preaching, there was a young 20-something-year-old. And for 11 years, he prayed, God, I want a visitation from you. He was Methodist. For 11 years, God, I want a visitation from you. And one day, there's an evangelist speaking from a stage, and he says, the, the, the evangelist is saying, he's praying this, bend us, Lord. Bend us, Lord. Bend us, Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Evan Roberts and said, that's what you need. So he, he yields to the altar call, and the Lord gives him this vision of 100,000 souls coming to salvation. 100,000. Some of you think it's great that we have 200 people in the room. I'm talking about 100,000 people. So he goes to his friend and he says, do you believe that God could give us 100,000 souls? Those are the kind of people I'm looking for. Like, do you believe that, like, prostitution can come to an end in Tampa Bay? That human trafficking can be a thing of the past? That men would walk in holiness and righteousness? That they would love their wives? Like, that there would be a standard and we would raise the standard and we wouldn't compromise to try to win people into a compromised gospel, but we would hold the line and we would believe that the line is enough? See how only half of you are there? This is what he's calling us to. It's the Jonathan, man. In 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan was going with his armor bearer and they were going up a hill and they were Philistines. And he says this, there was this statement that was made. Oh, I have to read it to you. Let me read it to you. I have to. He says this in 1 Samuel 14. He says, there's, he says to his armor bearer, can we defeat the Philistines? There was two of them. And, and the armor bearer says to the other one, do whatever's in your heart. And he says, we will go for the Lord can never fail. <laughs> the Lord, it's like the Lord can never fail. And this turning of heart, it will allow us to see things for what they really are. We were talking yesterday, we were praying in here, and it's like, it's like if we could really see what's going on in the spiritual realm, we would live a little bit differently. Listen, you are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. This is who you are. You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. There's much more going on in the spiritual realm than is going on in the physical realm. And, and the Bible is clear. Our, our warfare is not with flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities in evil places. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? This is the problem. We don't talk about this. Everything we preach from the pulpits is reactive to what the enemy is doing to us and not responsive in what heaven is saying. I had one of the toughest weeks this week that I've had in a long time. Some of you have rallied behind us. You've prayed with us. And I had a family member that went through a hard time. And I had to, I had to have a shift in my heart where I stopped re reacting to what the enemy was doing. And we had to step into the courts of heaven. Yeah. And we had to start declaring the word of the Lord over that person. And we would not only go to the courts of heaven, but we would declare in hell. And we would go against the gates of hell and say, you cannot have her. Yeah. This is different. It's different. I'm not preaching sermons about how to cope with what's going on in our military or our government. We are responding to heavenly, to heavenly realities. 
He's saying to us, I'm looking for a people to trust with my presence who would not give themselves to lesser lovers. Man, I only need like 10 of you. I'm telling you, I have faith. If I could just get 15 people to believe, to believe that God can really use a people to transform a region that would come to the altars and say, whatever you've got to cut out, cut it out. They would position themselves in a continual place. It's a posture. It's a positioning. It's a Zacchaeus thing, man. You, the story of Zacchaeus, I love it because Jesus is walking down a way and he's immediately, he's confronted with his limitations. There's crowds. He's four foot two. Everything's going against him, but he finds him a tree. I'm going to position myself in such a way that no matter where he walks through, I'm going to meet him. In the low places and the high places, what I've learned after living this long with Jesus is there's something that I learn in brokenness that I can never learn on the mountaintop. We stop asking the question, God, why is this happening? And we start asking, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to produce on the inside of me? Is there something inside of Geo that has to die? Think about your life, man. Oh, I got to pray into this real quick. Right now, I have to. The Holy Spirit told me to. Father, in Jesus' name, we break off every spirit that would respond, live in reaction to the enemy. And we pray that we would live in response to you, Lord. We make covenant right now. In the middle of the sermon, we stop. And we say we make covenant to live in response to you. And the way we steward our children, our families. We break soul ties with every single thing that is hindering us from living in response right now. Hmm. It's a desperation. It's the woman with the issue of blood. I don't care who's in my way. I will, I will touch the hem of his garment. It's not metaphorical. It's available every single morning when you wake up. Every single morning you wake up, there's going to be a thousand emails. Your kids are going to want to make you cuss. There's going to be all of these things that are in the way, yet we've got to press through and we've got to say, I've got to touch them. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to wait till a prayer room. I'm going to create a, my car can be a prayer room. And I may only have 10 minutes, but in those 10 minutes, he's waiting for me. Oh, I break that off of you. It doesn't take you an hour to touch him. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He is so intentional. Oh, he's so intentional. I have so much. It's like every time I turn my attention to him, he was there. Every time I walked into our school of ministry on Tuesday night, I'm like, I've got nothing to give right now. Just brokenness. And he takes it, and according to the scriptures, I don't know how it works, he is made perfect in my weakness. His strength is perfected. Which means we've got no excuses to, on why we can't come to him. I want you to think about this. What is stopping you? What is stopping you from engaging with the presence of the greatest lover ever? We've got so many pursuits. We've got so many pursuits. And the Bible tells us to enter in with thanksgiving, to enter in with praise. So that, so that, what's the goal? So that we may enter into the Holy of Holies. There is a place in God that satisfies every desire in your heart. There is a place in God that satisfies every desire in your heart. It won't be satisfied by a spouse, by social status. You could have a billion dollars in your account. There's a place in God that can only satisfy your heart. Therefore, our positioning has to be, I've got to find a way to behold him. It's like we're just circling and we're searching. We're searching for just an opening to have a glimpse of him. 
And so I can see him working in my life, and I'm thankful for that. But the next progression would be, God, I thank you that you are healer. I can thank him for deliverance, but at some point it shifts, and there's a confidence that says, this is praise. You are deliverer. Do you see the difference? You've got to learn this. Because you can stay in a cycle of thankfulness, but the next progression to step into new dynamic relationship would be the realization that what he does is who he is. God, I thank you for providing, but at some point it's like you are Jehovah Jireh. This is the positioning. It's not striving. Some of you hear positioning like, I don't want to do that. That's striving. I have everything. It's a, it's, a, it's a gazing. It's a beholding. We are therefore trans, transformed by beholding as in a mirror. Second Corinthians, we are, we are transformed by beholding, which means I've got to find a way, Malachi 1, to shut the door. What do you have to shut the door of? Bro, shut off the phone. I just don't got time for that. And on Sunday morning, your phone will alert you. You've spent six hours on it. Shut the door to the perversion. To what we're watching, to what we're listening to. What we're entertaining, what we're giving our hearts to. Shut the door to offense and bitterness and jealousy. Shut the door so that the king of glory may come in. I feel like we just give up too easily sometimes. This is the culture of the kingdom. It's a repentance. It's a pursuing. It's a positioning. There's a resolve. There's a resolve. There's this thing inside of us that's like, I will not give up. Could you imagine... God speaks to Moses, says, Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm sure he was like, yeah, I could do that. I'm sure he was like, yeah, I got that. No, you see in his initial reaction, I'm a stutterer. Like, I don't have what it takes to do that. Yet he goes. God gives them Aaron and they go, right? And he stands before the most powerful men of the time. And he says, hey, listen, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, bro, I don't know your God. And no. Now, in 2022 Christianity, we, would have, we probably would have been like, uh, I guess I missed it. I guess I missed it. Like, I must have missed God because I went, I obeyed, I conquered my fears. And yet still the response didn't come. But you see, there was, there was a process. And when we treat Christianity as a project, it becomes easy to walk away. But when you realize that I am in process of stepping into all God has for me. If I don't have what God has for me right now, what he has spoken to me, I know that it's coming. There's a pain in the situation I'm going in with my family right now, but I've already heard the word of the Lord. So there's pain and there's difficulty and there's a contending, but at the end of the day, I know. There's an assurance. The Bible calls it a blessed assurance. There's an assurance. But when we come and we lose resolve, it's like, it's like the, the wrestling, the wrestling and refusing to let God go until he blesses us. It's just, I'm telling you, if we can grab a hold of this, it's like some of you, you've had people wrestling on your behalf. It's time for you to grab a hold and to wrestle. You can't live by the wrestlings of a church staff. Help me, Lord. You've got to learn to wrestle. And you've got to grab a hold of his word. And you've got to wrestle and push back every demonic thing that would come against that word. Father, I know what I see, but what supersedes what I see is what you say. You see this? You war. Paul tells this to Timothy. He says to Timothy, wage a good war according to what? Wage a good war according to the prophetic words that have been spoken over you. That that word, those things that have been spoken through sermon, through your Bible reading, that they would be able to give you the ability to wage a good warfare. Help us, Lord. 
you know, I really have faith. I believe that this right here is first fruits of what God wants to do. I, I believe I will submit to you, tested by the Spirit, that there will be thousands of people on this property. Test it. Ask the Lord. Ask Him. There will be thousands of people on this property. And God will continue to convict. He will continue to fill with His presence. And He will continue to send. But He's asking us. He's asking us, right here, right now, are you ready for what you're asking for? The Bible says, test every prophetic word. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. They will be, they will be, they will be drawn. Corey Russell said it. By, by the they will be drawn young people. And it's time now for mothers and fathers brothers and sisters to prepare themselves to come alongside the more broken. But the message cannot be, it's okay, just, it's got to be turn. I love you, you're better than that. God has more for you. It's an empowerment. It's a calling up. That's why they walk away. Anybody who is talked into Jesus can be talked out of him. It's, it's got to be a moment of encounter. We've got to move past biblical knowledge to experience. All your biblical knowledge is doing is positioning you to be a better debater. Screw your debating. We've got to be led into an encounter with him. That's got to be, oh, why are people showing up? This has got to be the narrative. Not because there's good preaching or worship. It's got to be all that fades away and people say, I don't know, but Jesus is there. I don't know, but when we all gather together and we begin to sing, only you are holy, something happens. I don't have the language for it. Let's move beyond language. Come on, let's step into something where it's like, I don't know how to, how to tell you what's happening. You just got to come. In Ezekiel 44, the city was named, the Lord is there. That was the name of the city. What marked this, this vision that Ezekiel had that was incredible was the Lord is there. Oh, I'll die on that mount. I don't know about you. I'll die on that mount. We'll build them a house and morning, noon, and night, there will be incense going up. But at the end of the day, it is all unto a transformation of a people who are crying out, come Lord Jesus. Like, oh, Gio, you're just passionate. No, I, I believe it. I believe it. I believe that. I don't care about the money situation. Money's nothing to the Lord. There's no limitations. It's simply, and in this time for us, it's this. Will you really believe what I'm saying to you? I don't know how many people God had tried to get to go to Nineveh before Jonah. But I'm not going to miss my moment. Amen. I'm not sure that Jonah was the first one that God had spoken to to go to Nineveh. But I know once Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, revival came. But I'm not going to miss my moment. It's a corporate call for us. And I will say to you, this is a scripture I had in my heart. The whole time, they could put it up, Psalms 34. It says this, me, me and Tommy, Tommy, you're amazing. I love you so much. He was talking yesterday. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How fortunate, how blessed, how prosperous, how favored is the man who takes refuge in him. In order for you to take refuge in something, you have to trust it. When my son is in a moment of despair, he comes to me and he takes refuge. Why? Because he trusts me. It's not enough just to see. You've got to taste. You can sit in here every single week for the next 20 years and it would feel good and there would be a lot of excitement in the atmosphere. Yet if you don't taste, you'll never know. Listen to me. To taste is to experience. And there will be times and moments where the Spirit of the Lord will draw people. And if your attitude is, well, if God wants to do it, He could do it here. In all love, I would submit to you, it's a spirit of pride. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to look this way too, because y'all are shooting me shots. 
Blessed are the hungry and the thirsty. You want to read, you want to listen to the best sermon ever preached in the history of the world? Open up your Bible app, go to Matthew 5 and just let it play. Just let it ride. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And the greatest sin, I'm going to close my Bible so you believe I'm, shut, I'm shutting this down. Hey, Ben, you can come. The greatest sin that we're dealing with, there could be a few. We dealt with one last week. Sexual immorality is a huge one, I believe, perversion. But I believe one of the greatest obstacles we're going to have to overcome is lukewarmness in the church. It's lukewarmness. It's, it's hardness of heart. And at the root of lukewarmness, if you were to uproot it, you were, imagine it was a plant. If you were to uproot it and there was language on the bottom of that root system, it would say, I'm in need of nothing. That would be what would read on the bottom of that root. I, I have no need of anything. And until we become keenly aware of our need for him, we will continue to do everything without him. Listen to me. Everything that we did today, as far as preaching, worship, all of it could be done apart from him. All of it. There won't, there won't be fruit that lasts. And the Bible says that weed and tear grow together and in the last days we'll find out what's what. That's what the Bible says. But what I'm, what I'm praying for us is when that day comes, we're found worthy of being with our king. You're like, man, when, when, is, when are they going to preach a message that makes me feel good? This feels good. It feels good because for me, every Saturday night I spend time with the Lord and I say, God, what do you want to say all throughout the week? And for me, this type of message is preparing this for what's coming. I'd be more concerned if he wasn't saying these things to us. It'd be concerning if he wasn't saying, hey, you need to get right because I want to give you more. Like my coming is close because it's, it's true that the desire is becoming more and more. God, I want to be with you. There's no strings pulling me back. There's nothing that's, there's nothing that's causing me to say, God, God, just, just leave me here. It's like, I just want to be with my dad. Just what I want to do. I, I want us to stand and I just want us for just a moment. Let's just wait on the Lord for just a second here.
anybody in the room. I, I, I just sense the Lord wants to mark people. There's, there's a people that will carry this. It's like branded on their hearts. This holiness uncompromising. And if that's you, we just want to pray over you. So would you just come down to the altars right now? If there's anybody here that needs to repent, man, if your heart feels cold, stale, I would encourage you to come. Just be before the Lord and let us cover you. We're just going to anoint and we're going to pray right now. So if you have need, I would just encourage you just come. If there's a tugging on the heart, just come and respond. It doesn't matter if you come every week. We remain in that place before the Lord. If I can get my staff and prophet and company, some of my elders to come. Even as they worship, if you feel that tugging, it's not about manipulating a moment. It's about responding to the Lord. He wants to mark us with this.
over these people in the middle.
We love you guys. We love you guys.